Transferring wealth successfully starts with asking yourself questions that will give your family a better life now and for generations to come. In this podcast, financial professionals John and Michael from Copper Beach Financial Group guide you through eye-opening questions to help you discover the truth about your wealth. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to The Truth About Wealth with John and Michael Paris of Copper Beach Financial Group. Hello, guys. How are you? Wendy, we're doing great. Hello, Wendy. Hi. How are I'm you today? So happy to be back. I'm I'm feeling good. I'm feeling like Atta I'm fitting right in. Yeah. Perfect. Atta yeah, I know. This is our our second, I think, with you. Exactly. After uh, you have you have big shoes to fill, but so far you're filling them uh, awesomely. Oh, shucks. Uh, we have a guest today, though, like we did with my inaugural episode. We have yet another guest today. We do. Our 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 guest today is Mr. David J. Ryder, the 34th and 39th former director of the United States Mint. And he's brought to us today by GovMint.com, which is the best source for coins worldwide. And GovMint.com is a direct-to-consumer marketer of coins and collectibles from countries from around the world, including those from the United States. David has a consulting arrangement with government.com and will be paid for his appearance today. And while government.com is not affiliated with the U.S. government, David J. Ryder, as a former director of the United States Mint, used to be very much affiliated with the U.S. government. So I, I'd like to, uh, David, first off, um, thank you for being here. And and if I can, I'd like to uh, maybe read a, a little bit of your extensive bio, if that's okay. It's impressive. I'll leave that up to you. <laughs> yeah, well, of course. I, I, think it's, I think it's really important for our audience to hear it. So you know, through October of 2021, uh, David, you held the position of the 39th director of the United States Mint, having been nominated to a five-year term by uh, President Trump and approved by the Senate in 2018. Prior to that, you served as the 34th director from September of 1992 to November of 1993 uh, through a recess appointment by uh, President George H.W. Bush that continued into the administration of Bill Clinton. And uh, as the Mint director, David led an organization of almost 1,700 people who were employed with responsibilities ranging from securing the assets entrusted to the Mint to the design, manufacturing, and distribution of circulating precious metals, collectible coins, and national metals. The Mint operates six facilities across the United States. And in addition to directing the United States Mint, David's prior U.S. government experience includes service as Deputy Treasurer of the United States, Deputy Chief of Staff to Vice President Dan Quayle, and Special Assistant to Vice President George H.W. Bush. He also worked for the United States Department of Commerce as Commissioner General of the U.S. Pavilion at the 1984 Louisiana World Exposition. And in 2021, David was named one of the Coin World magazine's most influential people in numismatics. So, David, I, I think it's fair to say you're probably the most famous guest we've had on our podcast. So, please, so welcome. Thank you for being here. Well, thanks, John, for having me. We met down at a at a conference in yes, Florida. We, did. we got we got to know one another, and you asked me to come on your show, and I was more than happy to do so. So, thanks for having me. Uh, we would love having you. We love having a guest like you. And it, I think it's just an arena that most of our clients are not uh, not familiar with. The, you know, the, the coin world. So I guess today's going to help them through that. 
Yeah, I, I really, David, wanted to to start because you've had such an interesting career, but I wanted to maybe start off and, and ask you about uh, your time leading leading the U.S. Mint. Like, how did you become the director of the U.S. Mint? I mean, really not just once, but twice. And, and what what drew you back in, I guess, for a second time? Well, it's uh, started a long time ago. I worked on in Wall Street in the Comex and the silver, copper, and gold pits as a young kid and got hooked up with Ronald Reagan for his presidential campaign and did a lot of volunteer work. And that led from me leaving Wall Street to joining Ronald Reagan's campaign and ultimately ultimately meeting George Bush, then candidate Bush. And uh, I really got to like George and Barbara Bush, who then became the vice president and then the president. During his second term, right as he became president, I did a number of things for his campaign, ended up running the operations of his convention in New Orleans, and uh, went to work as the deputy chief of staff there in the White House. And and then got a call one day from Secretary Brady, the Secretary of the Treasury, who asked me to join them over there. Uh, and that ultimately led the president to nominate me as the 30 fourth director of the United States Mint. So it was a, a long-term friendship and acquaintance uh, with the Bush family that led to, to my first appointment, which I very much appreciated. It didn't last very long because I got held up on some bureaucratic rules and regulations, the U.S. Congress. But that I enjoyed my Congress, time Congress, does it? That doesn't happen there, does it? No, it only happens occasionally. <laughs> Just had to throw that in there. So it, um, so the, the, the second round, I left government uh, for well over 25 years, started a business that I ultimately sold with some friends to the Honeywell Corporation that was involved in developing technologies for the protection of currencies and passports and other documents from being counterfeited. And Honeywell bought wow. that company in 2007. I stayed there for a number of years, 10 years or so. And then uh, laying in bed in Indonesia after met, after meeting the central bank there, and I saw the television come on, and there was Donald Trump introducing his new White House staff, uh, and there was a friend of mine sitting in the front row, who I then sent an email to, and I asked him, are they looking for any good people in his new administration? Uh, and they said yes, and, and um, you know, long story short, he nominated me, President Trump nom nominated me to be the 39th director of the United States Mint, which, which I served for quite some time. So it's been quite a, it's been interesting. Wow. I, I know a lot right. about the coins and stuff, but it's been an interesting time to be involved with, with uh, events globally around the world. I'm sure. Uh, so David, I, you mentioned a little bit of the, the bureaucratic side of things um, on the first go around, but I, I'm interested to hear a little bit about what the process is around, you know, okay, once you, once you get nominated, how, what's the process in terms of actually getting appointed in this case, to lead the U.S. Mint. Well, that that takes some doing. It's it's not a it's not a short <laughs> process. It's a long yeah. process. Uh, you have to have a crystal clean background. You have to get a a security clearance by the secret by the by quite a number of people actually. The White House, a number of other people, and uh, that takes a while. You have to your whole background is looked at, and, and ultimately, uh, I got approved by that. I've had security clearances in the past, and it, it all starts over again. And then you have to be uh, interviewed by the Secretary of the Treasury at that time, was Secretary Ivan Mnuchin, and then uh, the President officially nominates you, uh, and then you go before Congress and have a hearing, which lasted about an hour and a half or so, and everybody gets their chance to 
to ask you questions. And uh, they ultimately nominated me by voice vote, and I was approved to become the 39th director. So it's it's not a short process. It's every presidential appointee uh, goes through that. So you're you're nominated by the president and confirmed by the Senate. Yep, that's a great and interesting story. I, I wanted to shift, David, and ask you a little bit about what the, what the U.S. Mint does, because I know probably many of our listeners have I think all of us have heard of the U.S. Mint, but I feel like there's maybe a a lack of understanding around what the U.S. Mint actually does. So did you have a can you give us a a little bit of background on sort of what, you know, your major responsibilities were as the director? Sure. I think for your listeners, the first important thing that most people don't know uh, is that the Mint is self-funded. They don't get uh, a government handout. Uh, They operate on the funds that they earn from the Federal Reserve Bank on making circulating coins and other tangible assets. And uh, when I was there, the last year I was there, we returned over $550 million to the general fund in the profits that we made and all the products that we manufactured. So what do we do? We produce circulating coins, which everybody knows about. And during the COVID crisis, which is when I was there, uh, we made about 20 billion coins a year. Uh, which is quite a lot of coins. It's it's significantly more than any mint in the world, probably all combined. Uh, and then we also make uh, bullion coins, the gold liberty coins, investment coins, the gold and silver eagles. We also are charged with by Congress to make a number of numismatic products, commemorative coins, investment coins, things like that. And then we also do quite a number of metals. Uh, we do a lot of military medals, so we've worked with all the divisions of the armed forces, uh, presidential medals. I actually had a medal made as the 34th and 39th Mint Director, believe it or not. Awesome. Uh, so we do we do a lot of those things. Um, and then quickly, we operated quite a number. We operated five different facilities throughout the United States. One being in in San Francisco, California. Another one that produces uh, most of our circulating coins is in Denver, Colorado. Fort Knox Bullion Depository, where they store all the gold. And I can confirm that there is a lot of gold in that. I'm just going to ask, there's still a lot of gold there, I hope. <laughs> there's a lot of gold. And then we also operate another bullion depository up in the military campus at West Point that manufactures all of our gold bullion, gold and silver bullion. And they also store quite a lot of gold and king gold that we use to, to make those products. We have the world's largest mint in Philadelphia. They manufacture quite a lot of bullion and other commemorative type programs, as well as a massive amount of circulating coins. And then our headquarters is, of course, in Washington, D.C. That kind of gives you a snapshot of what we do. Wow. Yeah, I imagine you were very busy during the the COVID pandemic for sure. Uh, with with that amount, that's that's almost a staggering uh, amount of coins um, that you guys produce. David, what is the the process that you that the mint goes through to? Let's say bring a new coin uh, or 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 commemorative to the market. Can you just do what you want? Do you have full authority there? Like how does that how does that work? No, it's kind of complicated. As some of your listeners might know, we changed the gold bullion designs of the gold bullion and silver bullion coins, the investment coins that that everybody probably has seen on the television and so on and so forth. And a lot of our collectors collect them. I was able to do that during my term. Uh, with a little clause that was written in the original legislation back in the 80s 
that allowed me to change it after the coins had been in circulation for, for a number of years. Uh, and it allowed me to do that without having to go to Congress and the Secretary Mnuchin's approval, which I did. And, and most other coins, the commemorative coins, things like that are, are developed uh, by legislation, by interested parties who, who want to go out and develop a commemorative coin for a special cause, you know, like the Statue of Liberty years ago or the World Cup Soccer or the Men's Basketball Hall of Fame or things like that, that the organizations have to go and and get uh, passed by Congress. That takes some doing because it has to get all the the votes and and signatures by each member. Uh, And then once that's done, we're obligated to manufacture those. We do two a year. And then some of the other coins, we have latitude because the way legislation is written, but mostly uh, we're forced to do them because of legislation has forced us to do them. And a lot of those are the investment coins. It's an interesting process. Some of the listeners also might remember the recently we introduced the Morgan silver dollars first time in 100 years, two years ago. I wound up going to Congressman Amade from Nevada, uh, who helped me with that legislation where we got it passed quite right at the end of President Trump's administration. And we were able to manufacture those coins uh, we sold quite a lot of them. We actually sold out of, of them all, hundreds of millions of dollars for the government in the process. And that was also a legislative mandated product. And in that particular case, I went after that legislation with Congress and sort of our legislative affairs office and people at the U.S. Treasury, who and and, the, and more importantly, the collectors who were, who were really wanting that program. And we we were able to deliver that for them. That's that's fascinating. I know that our well, I'm interested in this as well, David. But I I would think our audience is also probably I would say interested in in hearing more about the high level structure of the of the Treasury in the U.S. Mint to the extent that that you can you know you're authorized to share that because you've worked in in you know several of these government departments. What's the breakdown between the two? What does each do? How are they how are they related and, and maybe work together? The Secretary of the Treasury, while I was there, was Stephen Mnuchin, oversaw the United States Mint. I reported to him directly. There's also the Treasury of the United States that we worked with. Obviously, we worked with the, the Treasury's legislative affairs as necessary to get certain things done. We also worked with the White House on a number of occasions uh, for certain things to get clearance to do certain things. And then the relationship with Secretary Mnuchin, I had a very good relationship with him, I thought. He allowed me to do all of the things that we were able to do and change the Mint from kind of a a slow bureaucratic organization that hadn't done a lot in previous years with regard to new programs. They obviously manufacture all the circulating coins and do a heck of a job doing that. But Secretary Mnuchin gave me a lot of flexibility on developing quite a number of brand new products that really excited uh, the coin collectors. And all of that had to be coordinated with uh, a number of people, as you might expect, in the the White House and the Congress and so on. It's not your most glamorous bureau within the United States Department of the Treasury. There's a lot more important things that go on there. But we also have a mission uh, to manufacture all the nation's circulating coins and, and all the other products. And I felt the U.S. Mint and Phil Do does a darn good job doing that. Excellent. So, what would you say, David, would be like your biggest accomplishments if you had to if you had to list them from your time there? I kind of shook things up while I was there because I wanted to do so many different things. 
and you're nominated for a period of time, a term limit. So I knew that when President Biden was coming into office, it's likely that he wanted might want to bring in his own person, which he did, which presidents have the right to do. So I was under the gun to develop a lot of new programs. And I believe we probably did in the time that I was there, well over 25, not even 30 different programs that earned quite a lot of money for the U.S. Mint and the U.S. government. And it really energized the collecting community of those coin collectors uh, that you hear about. There are a lot of interesting coin collectors who spend an enormous amount of money on collecting these types of products. And so I, I think that was my biggest achievement, to be able to help that industry out through the coin collecting customer base. Uh, when I left in 1996, I think it was, we had 2.7 million active customers. Uh, when I came back, the Mint had shrunk to about 450,000 customers. So I, I did a, a good job with the help of a lot of good people on regrowing that business and regrowing the customer base uh, and uh, and introducing a lot of cool products. And I mentioned the redesign of the American Gold Eagles, the Morgan program. Uh, we introduced a brand new investment coin program called the Liberty program that we that we redesigned and got the coin of the year award, which is a big deal in the industry. Uh, we did a lot of things for the coin collectors, Atlantic products, such as changing how we issued certain coins. Uh, West Point, we had to do a West Point quarter, and kind of a, a, a coin collector's hunt for West Point minted quarters, which is very rare. We didn't do very many of them. So all the kids that that were getting new into this industry and trying to collect were able to collect very unique products. Uh, we did that with the quarters, with nickels. Uh, we did it with pennies. So the collectors, the young kids, uh, got the ability to collect and start learning more about how investments work and how to save money and how to make money. And, and we did a good job, I think, in educating them on how that whole process worked. And it all begins, as you well know, John and Michael, with, with money. And yeah. uh, and it's, it's good to teach the kids early on how you do that. And uh, I think we did a pretty good job on that as well. But it's it's funny you mentioned that at the, at the end there, David, because that is a nice segue into a follow-up question that I had. Uh, we've had some guests on on our podcast and, and even to some clients that we talked to uh, that maybe are under the impression that, let's say, traditional coins or currency are becoming obsolete with you know use of credit cards. And you hear this talk about uh, digital currencies and we have PayPal and Venmo and cryptocurrency, and I think even you know recently, as we're recording this, I think the Fed just came up with a you know a new instant pay transfer that's that's sort of similar to Venmo. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on the future of coinage, particularly with the younger individuals, I guess, but for everybody. But that's why I thought it was a good segue because you were mentioning how I guess involved the younger generation is with what you guys were doing at the Mint. Uh, it's a very good question, John. I'm of the opinion that coinage and currency is going to be around for some time. To give you an idea, we also developed a piece of legislation that is going to grow the Mint substantially from a coin, coin collector's point of view. But it's called the, it's a new quarters program that is really focused on kids and kids collecting things. Uh, and it's starting off in 20, it started off in 2022 with the Women's 
American famous American Women's Quarters Program, uh, which is going to go for four years. And then for one year, we're going to redesign all of the nation's circulating coins, obverse and reverse. So that means the, the penny, the nickel, the dime, the quarter, the half, the Kennedy half dollar, and the one dollar coins for just one year to celebrate the 250th year anniversary oh, of the semi-quincentennial semi-quincentennial 250th year anniversary of our country, which has never been done before. And that's just for one year. And then we'll finish up from 2027 to 28 with American Youth Sports in conjunction with the Summer Olympics in Los Angeles, and where hopefully the U.S. men is going to mint the gold and the silver and the bronze medals for the, for the Olympic athletes. So while there's a lot of interest in credit cards and debit cards and some of these other things that are going on in the in the industry. I'm pretty bullish on the fact that there is going to be globally inter, global interest in in coins and bullion as investment coins, uh, as well as our circulating coins. I'm also very bullish on the fact that I don't think currency, the paper currency, is going to go away anytime soon. You know, the crypto things are get a lot of attention. That's good. Pretty risky, in my opinion, but I think. I think coinage and currency are here to stay for a while. Well, David, this has been uh, a really fascinating and, and insightful discussion. I want to I want to thank you uh, for taking the time. I know you're you're a busy man, and and, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to speak with us today and educate our listeners. This is, uh, like I said, a, a very different type of podcast than we're used to doing, uh, but I think it was really you know helpful to have your insight in history, and it's just a, it's a fascinating world that many people don't get to hear about. So, thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me, John. I really appreciate it. It was nice to meet your acquaintance down in Florida. And I'm sure our paths will probably cross again someday. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Matter of fact, I purchased a bunch of your coins, if you recall. Yeah. I'm sorry. I purchased a bunch of your coins after after we spoke, all your new ones. I know you 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 spent a good deal of money. Ah, don't, don't don't tell the audience. That. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I was very impressed. Know that yet. Uh, when we when we first chatted, I I always I was impressed with uh, with your creativity on what you did with those coins. And I'm a, I'm a collector uh, as part of my new life over the last few years, and I was fascinated by just the, the time I spent speaking with you about just your history. It, it's it's unbelievable what you what you what you've done for this country as far as as it relates to coins and, and the bid itself. So I want to thank you again for attending our, our session today and look forward to uh, hanging out with you in the near future. I think it'd be a pleasure. Yeah, and if, if I can jump in, because I, I wanted to make sure that, that our audience, um, that our listeners know that you, you can go to govmint.com. That's G-O-V-M-I-N-T.com. You can go to their website or you can call them at 1-800-777-6468 and ask for Brandon. And you can, if you're interested, get more information on some of the coins that, that David, you spoke about today, You know, including the uh, Liberty Buck and Bronco, uh, American Eagle, 20, uh, 2021 silver dollars. And if you, if our listeners mention the offer code Copper Pod, uh, you'll get a special Copper Beach discount on select products. So if you are interested in learning more about about what um, you know David did a little bit at the Mint, you can call Brandon and uh, find out more. Hey so David, I get right that now. discount as a buyer. Sure, John. I, I'm not sure if you got it before, <laughs> but I'm sure you can get it now. No, I'm just, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. <laughs> 
<laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, that's great. And I'm, I'm excited about uh, chatting with you in the future on some other opportunities for your for your chords. All right, guys. Well, thanks for having me. I very much appreciate it. And thank you all for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. This way, when John and Michael release a new episode, it will come directly to your listening device. Please like and share this podcast with your friends and family. For everyone at Copper Beach Financial Group, I'm Wendy McConnell reminding you to live your best day every day. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Copper Beach Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. This material is for informational purposes only. Neither APFS nor its representatives provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Please consult your own tax, legal, or accounting professional before making any decisions. Copper Beach is not affiliated with American Portfolios Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolios Advisors, Inc. Securities offered through American Portfolio Financial Services, Inc., a member of FINRA SIPC, Investment Advisory and Financial Planning Services offered through American Portfolio Advisors, Inc., an SCC Registered Investment Advisor. These opinions are subject to change at any time without notice. Any comments or postings are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or other financial instruments. Readers should conduct their own review and exercise judgment prior to investing. Investments are not guaranteed, involve risk, and may result in a loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Investments are not suitable for all types of investors. Copper Beach is an unaffiliated entity of American Portfolios Financial Services, Inc. and American Portfolios Advisors, Inc. Any opinion expressed in this forum is not the opinions of American Portfolio Financial Services, Inc., and American Portfolio Advisors, Inc., and have not been reviewed by the firm for completeness or accuracy. American Portfolios and Copper Beach Financial Group are not affiliated with any other named business entities mentioned.